my son Haddon and I were watching a movie, and this movie was about a man who was sailing alone at sea, and a storm overtook his sailing vessel and began to sink his ship. That was the very first ten minutes of the movie. The rest of the entire movie, two-hour movie, the rest of the movie was about his constant struggle to survive while he was lost at sea. And, and every, every time you think he's going to get help, every time you think he's going to be rescued, you find your hopes crushed. And you watch him struggle to try to find different ways to, to call people to his side. But he never, never achieves that, it seems, all throughout the movie. It was an emotionally exhausting movie. I mean, we were watching this, and we were cheering for him, and we were crying with him. We were just saying, come on, please, someone rescue this man. And finally, at the end of the movie, he sets his raft on fire to signal a ship that was coming near him. And at the time, it looks like the ship is going to miss him. It's not going to see him. And his little raft is burning, and this man just drifts off into the water. And he begins to sink. He gave up hope. And he began to sink into the water to drown. And, and all of a sudden, the screen just goes black. <laughs> and Haddon and I were just we're like, no, it can't end this way. No, this is not possible. And it seemed like a minute went by on screen. And all of a sudden, light flooded the screen. And his rescuers were plunging into the water to pull up this hopeless man, to pull him out and back to life. And the way that Haddon and I responded was with cheers of joy. We were, yes, yes, this is awesome. This is an amazing story. This is great. This is an amazing rescue. Just when it looked like he had no hope and he was lost in this world and dead, light appeared and brought him back from the darkness to life. Now, I tell you that this morning because I know that all of us love great rescue stories, don't we? They appeal to us. And there's a reason for that. There's a redemptive nature to all good stories, right? All good rescue stories have a redemptive nature to them. We all love to hear these kind of rescue stories about how men reach out to save other men in difficult situations. We, we love to hear stories about men bridging great distances to save people, rescue people. We love to hear about how a rich man saves a poor man or how a king saves a peasant, right? We love those kinds of stories. Again, because the redemptive nature reveals something noble. It reveals something biblical. In Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, we see, I believe, one of the greatest rescue stories of all time. The distance between the men in this story is really beyond any human measurement. So turn with me there. Look at the passage there with me as I read in Mark 1, 40 to 45, so we can hear really the, the great rescue story that you can testify to as well. Mark 1:40 And a leper came to him that is came to Jesus imploring him and kneeling said to him If you will you can make me clean Moved with pity he that is Jesus 
stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them, that is the priests. But when he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now, Verses 40 to 43, or 42 in particular, encapsulate this great rescue story that I want to talk to you about this morning. In this section of Scripture, really 40 to 45, we hear a story about Christ and an outcast. Let me give you an outline. In this passage, we hear, number one, the cry of an outcast in verse 40. The cry of an outcast. And we also hear, number two, the compassionate answer of Christ in verses 41 and 42. And thirdly, we hear the command of God in verses 43 and 44. And fourthly, we hear the confession of a cleansed man in verse 45. I would say a compulsive confession of a cleansed worshiper. In verses 40 to 45, we're not just simply hearing a story about Jesus. We're entering into a conversation with Jesus. We're actually listening to a personal conversation that reveals something about Christ that is truly amazing and was astounding to the leper himself, and it should be astounding to us. We enter into a personal conversation that reveals to us something about Jesus' power to cleanse and his mercy to come near. Now this is astounding to a man who is at a distance from everyone in Israel. And as a sinner, saved by grace, this should be just as astounding to you and I today. That the Holy One came near to cleanse us and make us his own. What we enter into here is a personal and powerful meeting between Christ and a leper, an outcast conversation in Mark 1 is really a vivid reminder to us as believers this morning. It's a reminder to us that we all need to be rescued by Christ, don't we? We all needed this kind of rescue. And it's also a reminder to me this morning that we should embrace all those around us that are in need of Christ's cleansing touch. And we should share with them the gospel And we should let them know, no matter how defiled they are or were, they are now accepted in Christ because of his great touch. Their past means nothing. Christ came near when we were defiled to transform us and to wipe away our sins, as the song that we just sang testified to. And now we, as those who have been cleansed, can go out and tell others freely that there is cleansing through Christ. The conversation in Mark, I think as you read it, as you, if, if you spend any time reading through Mark, you should see this everywhere in Mark. But here in particular, 
as you read these conversations between Christ and the unsaved or Christ and the sick or Christ and the demon-possessed, all these different things that you see throughout Mark's gospel, you, you, should, you should feel, uh, in one sense, very familiar in those contexts because you're there, I'm there. This conversation should be familiar to all of us if we're Christians because this is a conversation that Jesus had with us, is it not? Think about that. How defiled and disgusting were you apart from God's grace when Christ came to you? And I think leprosy in this text serves as a good illustration for us this morning. It's a good illustration of our spiritual condition before Christ healed us. Leprosy in Jesus' day was, understand this, a hopeless and a lonely condition, most likely a death sentence, a lonely death sentence. It was a disease that proved to all around you, all those in Israel, it proved to them that the leper was incapable of healing himself. And so it is with the sinner. It is incapable, we are incapable of healing ourselves apart from Christ's intervention. The diseased man was incapable of healing himself and he desperately needed someone else to touch him, to cleanse him. But no one would come near him. This is the problem with the leper. Lepers could be healed. It was possible. But no one would touch them. Therefore, they would be separated. They would be outcasts. They would live in colonies. They would die in colonies, never being embraced by their families ever again. Now, think about this for just a moment. This morning... This morning, as you prepared to come here this morning, how many times did you touch your family members? A hug, a pat on the back. How many times did you feel the affectionate touch of someone you love today already? Imagine the leper waking up day after day after day for years and years as he is sick and sorrowful and worn and no one embraces him. No one touches him. No one even wants to come near him. This makes the story astounding when you think about what Jesus did. Now, for you to understand how astounding this would be, let me give you some understanding of the condition that this man is in when Jesus came to him. I'm going to read to you some information about leprosy. Okay? Leprosy is called Hansen's disease. And it's not always accurately illustrated when you see lepers on movies or pictures in Sunday school books. It is not a rotting skin disease. It is not. That's how we identify it, but that's not the disease. That's the effect of the disease. Leprosy is a disease that actually destroys the body's ability to feel pain. It causes numbness to the extremities, to the ears, to the eyes and nose. The disfigurement and the rotting of the flesh, the loss of the fingers and toes and hands and feet results from injuries that could not be felt and infections that had set into the body. Here's what would happen. A person who had leprosy would reach down to take a pot from the fire, not knowing how hot that pot truly was, grab the pot with his hands and come back with blisters that he could not feel. Blisters would lead to infections. Infections couldn't be treated because no one would touch him. No one would care for him. 
he would be walking through the, the courtyard or wherever he was at, pick up a rock or a splinter in his foot. It led to an infection that would lead to the rotting away of his flesh and the loss of his foot. This was what would happen to the leper because of leprosy. In Christ's day, it didn't just stop with the actual infection being the problem. In Christ's day, the rotting flesh and the stench that was associated with that couldn't be stopped. So what would happen was when the leper would lay down to sleep at night, bugs and vermin would come and feed on his flesh and he could not feel it. And it would add to the infection and lead to the destruction of his body. This condition separated the diseased person from society, from family, and from religious worship. One man called this disease a painless hell. The disease would slowly affect the entire body, and the uncontrolled infections would slowly eat away the body one piece at a time. This is a disgusting disease. But as disgusting as it was outwardly, could you imagine what it was like emotionally? Think about this. None of us like to come near something that looks infectious, right? These people looked infectious. What happened was once they contracted this, once the disease took over and infection set in, it basically separated them from all human contact because people were repulsed by it. People stopped having compassion for them because of it. Because one of the things that would be in the mind of those who were seeing this person was, this man's under God's curse. I don't want to come near him. This cursed man is in this condition because of what he has done. He is a sinful, evil person. And so it removed all human compassion for these people. And they were made outcasts, rejects. People didn't want to come near them, much less touch them. They feared the infection would be spread or the curse would be spread to the people. And just imagine, again, how desperate this man was, how lonely this man was. Just think he could never touch his mom again. His mom could never touch him. If he had children, he could never hold them again, never touch them, never receive a kiss from his wife. No human contact. He was desperate. He was severed. He was separated. Saints, that is our spiritual condition before God. There is no contact. There is no intimacy. There is no closeness apart from God's grace that came to us in Christ's touch. The dread of this infection, the dread of this disease kept all the Jews at at a distance from him. They recognized that the law of God declared this man to be unclean. Now, listen, the, the law of God was given to protect against the spread of infections carried by the leper, it wasn't given to reject the leper himself. That's not why it was given. That's what they did with it later on when they added to the law. And we can see what the command actually was if you turn with me to Leviticus 13. Leviticus 13. I'll read it to you if you don't get there. Leviticus 13, 45 to 46 gives us what the command truly was here. It says in verse 45, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn cloths and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! 
He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. His dwelling would be outside the camp. He would live alone. He would be in a different place. It still required someone to care for them, though. People had to be fed. People had to be taken care of. So somebody had to take food to them. But it came to the point where that was done just as a mere duty. It wasn't done out of compassion. And the lepers recognized that. When people bring you food, and you guys ever been sick, and somebody brings you food, and they're like, here, you know, and they're gone, right? All right. They're doing their duty, but it might not be compassionate, right? It's just like, I got to get it out. I got to get it to them. I got to get out of here. That's what was happening. There was no compassion, no tears shed over the lepers. They, they saw them as unclean. They saw them as cursed and separated from God. Therefore, they're on their own. It was against Levitical law, it says here, to touch them. Now think about this. And then think about the narrative I read out of Mark. It's against the law to touch a leper. What does Jesus do? Oh, he does more than touch him. When we get to the verse, you're going to see he does way more than touch him. Touch him. We think of touching him as if Jesus walks up and says, oh, yeah, you're healed. That's not what he did. When you read the text, you're going to be amazed. You're going to see something astounding in what Christ did, especially in the context of what was happening at the time. In Jesus' day, rabbis had added many regulations to God's law regarding lepers. They said if a leper stuck his head in a house, the whole house was unclean. It was even illegal to greet a leper, to say hello. Hey, we miss you. That was illegal. People had to stay 100 cubits away from the leper at all times. Lepers were rejected, totally rejected and separated from the people. But what do you see Jesus do? He doesn't listen to the laws of man, and he still upholds the law of God, as you'll see in the text. In Mark 140, what we're seeing here in this leper is a man without hope in this world, which is a picture of all of us apart from God's grace. This man, this leper, was a living dead man, an outcast. He was separated from family, from friends, from the people of God, from temple worship. His outer circumstance, though, I think actually reflects our inner circumstance due to our sin before we are saved. We all need what this man received from Christ. We need his touch. We need his pity. We need his mercy. This leper needed someone powerful. And he had heard about Jesus. As you read the text in Mark chapter 1, verses 34 down to 39, you can see that some things had happened before this account was written where Jesus had went to Peter's house and was filled with a uh, surrounded brother with a whole bunch of sick and defiled people. Jesus spent the entire night healing, touching, caring for them. He had the power to make them well, and he had the mercy to do it all night long. That story was spreading throughout Galilee. When this man heard of this, he thought, this is the man I need to see. He needed someone who was able, powerful enough to heal his sickness, yet he also needed someone who was compassionate enough to come near him in his sickness. That was culturally unacceptable for anyone to do at the time. But in Jesus, what we see is this. 
We see one who is both able to heal him and willing to come near him. He is willing to bridge the gap. He is willing to go the distance that's required to rescue the defiled. We know that he did that. And he left heaven's glory and he came to earth to rescue us from our sins. That's what makes this story great. It points to the great distance Christ came to clean sinners. Listen to how the conversation goes between Christ and the outcast here in verse 40. It says, A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. What we hear in this is the cry of this outcast. His words and his posture there, they reveal his submission and his desperation, don't they? Look what it says. He came to him imploring, that is begging him, and kneeling, that is falling on his face. Falling on his face as a beggar in need. The outcast was imploring, begging and bowing for Christ's mercy. And what did Christ give him? He gave him him all that he needed plus much more. This leper confesses by coming to him like this that he's incapable of cleansing himself. He is not able. He must trust in someone who is greater than him. He is trusting in Christ and Christ's power and Christ's mercy here. He's asking for him to do something he can't do for himself. This man knew that he couldn't do anything for himself. This man knew the bad news. He knew that he was incapable of making himself clean. That is the bad news. And so what he did in his condition was he trusted in God's mercy. He came to Christ trusting in Him. He puts his life in Christ's hands, knowing he can't rescue himself. The leper understood that he was incapable and only Christ was able. He came bowing and believing and throwing himself at Christ's feet. He expresses belief in Jesus' ability, his power, his sovereignty. And he also expresses trust in his mercy. He says, you can make me clean. He says, you can make me clean. You can declare me to be clean. We see that in verse 40b. If you will, you can make me clean. He believed that Jesus could actually do this. Now, this is an astounding thing. This would actually put this man back into right fellowship with those in Israel, in the temple, in his family. His life would be forever transformed by this cleansing. And and what he does is when he comes to him, he's basically saying to him, Christ, if, if you're willing... If you will, if you're willing to come near me personally, you can make me clean. Now, as I think about that, I think think about what Jesus did and what it says to us. Jesus wasn't just willing to, to make him clean. Jesus was willing to draw near to the defiled man to make him clean. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you you amazed 
Have you ever pondered your sinfulness? I hope so. Have you ever thought about your spiritual condition, your rebellion against God before Christ saved you? Is there anything attractive in that to God? Anything that endears you to his heart in that? Why does he come near? Well, according to this, because he's willing to come near the defiled. And as you're going to see, he's not only willing to come near them, he's willing to take their defilement upon himself to make them clean, personally. Look how Jesus responds to him in verse 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Just stop there. This is shocking. This is radical. This is unheard of. He touches him and he says to him something that only God can say to anyone. I will be clean. He removed the curse. He removed this defilement through his sovereignty, his sovereign authority, his power, his might, and through his pity, through his mercy to come near and to embrace him. This is amazing. We hear and see in that passage, in verse 41, we hear and see the compassionate answer of Christ. Mark emphasizes that Jesus cleansed this defiled leper compassionately, mercifully, willingly here. It says there in that verse, verse 41, that he is moved with pity. Now understand what that means. It means this, he is moved in his inner being. It would say in the old King James, he was moved in his bowels, emotionally moved, internally moved by this man's condition, by this man's defilement and need of healing. If anyone talks about Jesus in any other way than him being full of mercy and grace, they misrepresent our Savior. No one in Israel would come near this man, and Jesus' heart is broken over him. And he comes to him, to the one who does not have a right to have Christ near him. But Jesus draws near to him because he loves him. He shows mercy toward him. And I'm very thankful for that this morning. We are all spiritual lepers. We are all in need of this kind of mercy. We should rejoice if we received it. It says in this text that Jesus has moved internally out of love, but then it goes on to say something astounding. He's not just moved internally. Many of us, we, we see bad things happening, right? We see bad situations, orphan children, all kinds of things happen in the world, sad stories, and we're moved internally. Oh, that's sad. But we stop there. We stop short of what our Savior did. He didn't just see the need and be moved internally. He saw the need and he moved physically toward the need. He embraced the need. It says in verse 41, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Touched him. Now, now notice this. The touch comes before the declaration. The touch comes before the man is declared to be clean. In other words, the man was still defiled when Jesus embraced him. He touched him. And, and the Greek word here is very important in this text. The word touched actually means to attach. Now, let me tell you what that means. That means Jesus embraced, grabbed the man, pulls him into his bosom. 
pulls him in, holds him close. Just imagine what this man felt. Not just the healing touch, but the physical embrace of the Savior. The willingness of Jesus to pull him in, hold him near, embrace him, feeling a person touch him for the very first time since he had the disease. Imagine this. Jesus passionately stretches out his omnipotent hand and touches, embraces, pulls this man in. And saints, that's what he has done for each of us. You need to think about that. He has embraced us when we were in our defilement, when we were yet in our sins. Christ died for us. Jesus touches this leper, embraces him, grips him when he is in his sin. He he leans over him like he leans over us and grabs us. He leans over this defiled pile of rotting flesh and he lays that defiled man into his bosom pulls him in to show him God's mercy and grace and power to transform him. And saints, that's what he has done for all of us if we have repented of our sins and trusted in Christ and came bowing before him saying, only you can make me clean. When that happens, saints, that's what what he does. And he does this for all of us too. The Holy One, Jesus Christ, willingly took this man's defilement unto himself and then covered that man with his own power and grace and cleaned him from the inside out. He made him new. He transformed this man by first taking his defilement. And that is what Nate was talking about in the Sunday school class this morning, in the atonement. He who was holy and righteous, became sin for us so that the righteousness of God would be ours by faith in what Christ has done. Jesus first took our defilement on the cross. He took our sins on the cross and in exchange for our sins, He imputes His righteousness to us. He credits us with the things that He has done based on nothing we could do, nothing we have earned, but all upon His grace and His mercy. That's why he did this. It was great pity that drew Christ from glory to Calvary. Great pity for spiritual lepers like us. In Mark 1.42, we go on to see Christ powerfully cleansing this, this outcast out of pity. It says, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus' divine compassion answered this man's cry for help that we heard. And understand this today. Jesus' compassion still does that for all those who cry out to him in faith. If you are in need of God's grace, if you need to be cleansed from your sins, and you cry out to Jesus, he will embrace you in his arms. He will transform you by his mercy and his power. And he'll change your life forevermore. The leper's life was changed from that moment on. Everything was new. All things new, right? He's he's made new, a new creation as we are in Christ. The leper had had to go through all of this region and cry out everywhere he went, unclean, unclean, no more, no more. Imagine this. He comes to town and he now says, clean, I'm clean. 
He's not saying unclean. I've been made clean by Christ who answered my cry for mercy. Understand, that's what Christ has done for all of us. And we should rejoice in it. We should be amazed in this. Christ took on flesh for this purpose. He took on flesh, if you will, to stretch out his hands and embrace us when he came to the cross. He embraced on the cross our defilement, our curse. And he cleansed us. He reconciled us. He restored us passionately, personally, sovereignly, powerfully. I think we should just think about this more often than we do. And I say all this to help encourage the saints, but I want you to to be astounded so that you can actually be moved into action. I, I want you to rejoice in your cleansing so that you can go embrace those who need it. There really is no point in just rejoicing over what God's done for us if we don't really see that he did this so that he could make us his ambassadors, his ambassadors of mercy. We're called to go out and embrace those that no one else will touch. Reach out to those who are rejected by this society. Reach out to those who find no mercy anywhere but in the church of Jesus Christ. This is why we have received mercy, so we can show mercy like our Savior did. Now, the mercy that Christ shows the man, I think, is extended beyond his immediate cleansing. It's even in Christ's grace for the thing that he does next, for what the man does next out of disobedience to Christ. But it's interesting to look at this text in verses 43 to 44. We hear the third point. We hear the command of God given. It says, Jesus sternly charged the leper and sent him away at once after cleansing him, right? And verse 44 says, and, and he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. To them, the priests. Jesus' command in verse 44 comes from God's law. That's why he gave that. Leviticus 14, look with me there real quick. Leviticus 14, 1 to 7, actually gives us the reason for what Jesus said there. Verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedarwood and scarlet, yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in the earthenware vessel over the fresh water. He shall take the live bird with cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop and dip them or dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. Now I don't presume to understand all the reasoning behind all that. Except this, the man's cleansing would testify from the priest to the people that he had been made right. People could accept him again, okay? And Jesus, Jesus gives this command for a purpose, even though the leper doesn't seem to hear it, okay? And there's a reason he doesn't hear it. Don't criticize him yet. 
you haven't walked in his shoes, okay? Um, yes, he disobeys, but I would probably guess that none of you could obey that command either. When Jesus gives this command, he's, he's really clarifying to those who would be witnesses to this that he will never, would never, will never contradict the law. He will always fulfill it. The leper was commanded by Jesus to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, right? To show himself to the priest and offer what Moses had commanded. Now understand this. Christ commanded him to do this as a testimony. That's the purpose. It was to be a testimony to the priest to show them that his actions testified to his messiahship and his sovereign authority. See, Jesus had a purpose in this command, not only in the keeping of the law, but there was a great purpose in it. If this man had done what he had said, that he had went there and done this, this would testify to the priest that Jesus is God's Messiah. Okay? If the man had went through the process, here's what would happen. The priest would have to confess by their own mouths that the man had been cured, and then they would ask him, how did this happen? And he would tell them, right? Definitely, he would tell them. He would tell them, Jesus did it, right? And then guess what they would have to do? The priest would have to affirm that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the healer. He is the one God promised that would restore God's people. But when you read the text, you find out that the man couldn't do what Jesus said. The man just couldn't keep quiet about the good news he had received from Jesus. Could you guys keep quiet about this? Could you? Your whole life, your whole life has been a life of desperation, separation, disgust, disease, sickness, pain. Well, maybe not pain. Pain in the heart, emotional pain. And, and you are alone, no one touching you, no one caring for you. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, not only were you sovereignly healed, you were personally held by Jesus. Could you keep quiet about it? I hope not. I hope you couldn't keep quiet. I hope you would want to obey Jesus, but I hope in your heart you would want to shout it from the rooftops. That's what we hear happening here in Mark 145. We hear, fourthly, the compulsive confession of a cleansed man. I would call him a cleansed worshiper at this point. It says this, but when he went out and began to talk freely about what had happened, the healing, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter, this man couldn't hold it in. He was talking freely about it everywhere. Spreading the news. Now, there's no excuse for his disobedience here, okay? And disobedience always comes with consequences. And the consequences are there, are they not? You see it? What happened? The consequence of his disobedience is it restricts Jesus' movement. He couldn't openly minister in this region any longer because of this man's disobedience. All right? But I understand for this man, this would be hard to control. Hard to con control his compulsive joy that he felt in his heart. When Jesus had touched him, everything had changed. He was healed and restored back into fellowship. Able now to enter into worship. Able now to be embraced by his family. Able now to be made whole again by God's grace. 
Again, he could, he could now enter cities without putting his hand over his lip, crying unclean. Now he can declare, I'm clean. I have been cleansed by Jesus. Jesus touched me. Can you imagine his testimony forever being that? I want to tell you what happened to me. Jesus touched me. He touched a leper. One who should have never received the touch of a man from Israel. But the man... Jesus Christ, the God-man, Son of God. He not only touched me, He embraced me. And He declared me to be clean. He cleansed me. He couldn't help but declare this. And that's what cleansed people do. They joyfully confess that they have been cleansed by Christ. Is it not? Is not that your testimony? If you've been saved, you should understand this compulsive confession in this text. This is your confession. We are all spiritually unclean at one point, are we not? We are all spiritual lepers. But God, who is rich in mercy, He embraced us and He cleansed us with Christ's own blood. What was the hymn we just sang? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And notice this line. And sinners... Plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. This man did not have one part of his body marked with leprosy. All of his leprosy had been cleansed. This man was new again. He was made new by Christ. It was evident. It was outward. It was visibly able to be seen. That's what he would testify to to the priests. Aren't you glad that you have been plunged beneath this blood and made clean like the leper? I hope you are. If you've been cleansed like the leper, I want to ask you, can you keep this in your heart? Can you hold this inside like the cleansed leper was commanded to do? Or or can you express it? Do you want to express it openly? Now, the good news for us is this. We haven't been commanded to keep it inside. Quite the opposite. We've been commanded to confess what Christ has done openly and everywhere we go to everyone we meet. We are to tell them God the Son embraced us and cleansed us of our defilement when He went to the cross in our place. There our sins were removed forever. This is our story. This is our testimony. This is the greatest story of all, is it not? And if you're a believer, this is your story. You should confess this story to everyone you meet. Jesus' embrace, the embrace that you have felt by God's grace, it should motivate you to now embrace others, to reach out to those who feel unloved and unworthy. You who now have been cleansed because of God's grace should go to those who feel as if they could never come near to the church. We're to go to the lost, go to the hurting, go to those that the society says are unworthy of our attention. We're called to go to them because we have hope to share with them. We have a rescue story to tell them, one that Mark shares with us, one that we can testify to in our hearts. We can tell them that Jesus willingly and powerfully embraces lepers. 
lepers like us. He embraces us personally, and he cleanses us completely. We are declared justified. We are declared to be made clean. We are justified by the king who touched us and took our defilement for us and was cursed in our place so that his life would be granted to us so that we could testify to his power and his mercy to others. I want you to consider that this morning. I want you to think about how that should transform your lives this morning. If we're going to proclaim the gospel, I think we need to begin by making sure we're willing to incarnate the gospel, to live it, to live it out compassionately, share it, testify to it, embrace those who feel like they aren't worthy of it. We need to help them understand that none of us are worthy, but Christ is full of mercy. We need to go to those who have not been touched, those who would not be accepted and tell them there is acceptance in Christ. There is total forgiveness and cleansing in Christ. As embraced outcasts, I want you to take one more thing to heart this morning before I pray. I want you to take to heart the words of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Quote, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. Close quote. Father God, we we have been embraced by Christ, your Son, our Savior. And I believe that we have been embraced so that we would go out to those who are yet to be saved and testify to them that there is hope for the spiritual lepers. There is hope for those who are rejected and outcasts. And that hope is found in Christ's power and his mercy. God, I pray that we would be faithful to do what Spurgeon cried out to do in his day, to go after the lost with all of our strength for the glory of Christ's name as a testimony to his power that cleansed us Let us go and make testimony to the world that you can make sinners clean so that the world would testify that you are the Messiah, the Savior of sinners, the healer, the one who embraces those who are rejected and forever keeps us in your love so that we could magnify it to those around us. Help us, God, to do this. Help us to do it with with hearts that are humble and filled with joy because of Christ. We pray that we would do this for the glory of your name. Amen.